The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, most of us have lived for so long and so deeply entrenched in the good-evil paradigm that we truly believe that striving to be good and fighting the so-called good fight against evil is the business of being a person. Indeed, we think it is the business of life. But what if we knew that the only thing we need to do is peace? What if peace were how we survive? What if peace were how we negotiate with others? What if peace is how we form relationships? What if peace is the body? What if peace is the soul? What if peace is the big it? Well, maybe it is. Well, today, we're going to figure all that out. So before we go any further, we have to first understand what what we mean by the good-evil paradigm. If we've lived long and entrenched in this good-evil paradigm, what is it? What does that mean to be in a good-evil paradigm? Well, first, the paradigm is a, is a, a worldview. It's a way of looking at and living into life so that we, we can totally live out of this structured uh personification of what we see life to be. And what we see life to be is a big, long struggle with uh, for goodness and against evil, unless, of course, we happen to be one of those people who identifies with badness or evil, in which case we strive against good and toward evil. Now, we first have to believe that these concepts are real. We have to believe that there is such a thing as goodness and such a thing as badness or evil in order for us to really... Uh, try to fight against them. And I would hasten to say that 99% of us believe that there is a good and there is an evil. Why do we believe that? Because we've all been taught that. But where did we get that idea when neither one of those two things can be proven? We can look around the world, and many people do, when I talk about there's no, when I say to people, well, maybe there's no such thing as good or evil. The thing that they often argue for is evil. Oh, yes, there's evil. You can prove it. Look, look around. Look at Hitler. Look at some of the things that are going on today. Look at the hate crimes that are happening today. That's evil. That's just evil. You can't describe it any other way. Yeah. So that's the argument. And, and, and people will fight to prove evil. They don't very commonly argue to prove goodness, which I find to be fascinating. <laughs> but regardless of that, uh, the, the idea that there is a good and there is an evil is, has been passed down to us from generation to generation to generations, and we raise our children on this concept so that our children grow up totally believing that there is a good and there is an evil. But if you look at it, really look at it and think about it without being afraid of it, without being afraid you're going to uh, blaspheme something, then what we have to do is recognize that both of those two concepts, good and evil, are culturally based. 
I've said this before and I'll say it again. Osama bin Laden thought that it was a good thing to fly planes into the trade towers and the Pentagon. Uh, and his, his loyal uh, adherents thought that it was uh, so good that they were willing to die for it because they, they thought it was going to take them into heaven. We happened, most of us happened to disagree with that. We thought it was not a good thing. In fact, we thought it was an evil thing. So right there, we can see that there, is a compl- there are two totally opposite versions of reality when it comes to looking at that terrible day that happened to all of us in, on 9-11. It happened to the entire world on, on 9-11. And, and so we, we look, look at that and we can say, well, you know, good is culturally based. Evil is culturally based. And it is. What's good to one family might be bad to another. What's bad to one family might be good to another. There are children today and yesterday and many day, many years uh, prior to this who have been raised believing that hate is the way they should live and that that's a good thing. And they will use the Bible to support that. They believe that's a good thing. But that's because they got raised that way. It's not because it's really a good thing. So, uh, you know, this whole thing of good and evil are culturally based. So we can't really... Uh, decide on either one. What scares us about that is if we can't really define good and evil, then what does that mean about us as a species? I mean, how are we going to live if we don't have good and evil as concepts that we can live uh, toward or against? And that, that whole idea is the basis of duality. Duality thinking says that we're separate from the divine, however you see the divine, we're separate from the divine, because we're evil people and the divine can't tolerate our evil. So the divine has to live up in this rarefied region we call heaven and the rest of us live down here on this suffering planet we call earth and some of us call it hell. So you, you, you see that this whole thing is, is all about that idea that we're separate from the divine, which I have spent several different shows talking about. You can go back and look in, uh, in the archives and find a show called Duality couple of shows with that title in it listen to those and you'll see what i mean by that i'm not going to go into depth about that today but but what we're talking about here is a culturally based idea that all of us have lived into as if it is absolute fact and the truth is we don't need those concepts that scares the bejesus out of a lot of people to think about as a matter of fact a lot of people might say that i was committing blasphemy right now by saying what i've just said but we don't need good and evil to live. We don't need those concepts. Like we can throw them out. What we need is soul and authenticity. We don't need to decide what's good or what's bad. We need to decide what's true and what's false. And it is by having to decide what's good and bad so much that we have decided uh, currently now the Republicans are pushing a, a health care plan that they believe it, uh, will support good people. Uh, an Alabama senator said, I mean, a uh, congressman said that, that he thought that, uh, that we needed this new health care plan because the people that were sick and dying would leave their money to the people who were good people, who'd been, who'd been doing good things with their lives and were healthy, therefore. So healthy people are good people in his mind, and sick people are bad people, even if they're born with a, heart, a hole in their heart. I guess they're bad people. Um, but... Uh, 
you know, so that idea, that paradigm can get really, really skewed along the, and get really irrational, which obviously it has done here in America. And so we've lived out of that concept and we have, we have believed it to be so true that we have tried to spend entire lifetimes trying to, to fight the good fight against evil so that we could prove to ourselves that we're good people, or that we're, we're good in our religion, whatever that religion is. Um, and, 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 and we think that's the business of life, that life is all about this big struggle between good and evil, and what we're supposed to be doing is fighting that good fight between good and evil. And if we've lived our life and proven to, uh, to ourselves that we've fought the good fight, then we've been good people doing good things, and we can die, and maybe we'll go to heaven. Um, but uh, we don't, again, we don't need those concepts. We don't need those concepts for two reasons. The kingdom of heaven is within us, there's not some place we go after we die that's just heaven. I mean, there may be a place that we go after we die that is heavenly, but uh, the the heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the divine, the kingdom of God is found within us. And what we need to know is not what is good and what is bad, but what is true and what is false. That concept is one we can actually get our te- sink our teeth into, and it's not one based in in um, cultural culture necessarily, although some of that can also be based in culture, but we can prove to ourselves, our internal selves, what is true and what is false, and we can do that through the power of peace. Um, Peace, when we feel peace about something, a real deep uh, spiritual peace, what we know is that we've hit on something true. And when we don't feel that, we can still be anxious about, well, is it true, is it false? Um, we, we might still have that anxiety. We don't know if it's true or if it's false. And so we're not in peace yet. But when we get to that deep peace that people say it's the peace that passes understanding, we know we have hit on something really true, really valid. And it can be a guide for us. It can help us make our decisions. We can look for that peace. And, and when we find it, we can take the next step. And that is how we can live into a true false paradigm instead of a good evil paradigm. And so that's what we're here to talk about today, how we can live into that uh, peaceful paradigm about life, about spirituality, about the kingdom of heaven that is within us. So I, I, I've, I've taken from some texts, some uh, various texts from around the world, sacred texts, to say something about what I mean by this peace. So in the Christian text, the New Testament, John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. That's, from, that's one of the things Jesus said. It's one of those statements that I really like to hear because what he's talking about there is not the kind of peace that we get from just not worrying about something. Just not, well, Somebody put some money in my bank account, so I don't have to worry about that now. It's a kind of surface peace. I'm not worried. That's all I know is I'm not worried. But this is a really deep, profound peace that he's talking about. And the people that practice mystical Christianity understand this peace. It's not one that, that one can just grab hold of by playing around on the surface of life. It's one that we have to really go deep to find through some, uh, some meditation, through some really powerful, important soul-searching, through being present with the divine within us. So that's one. The Bhagavad Gita in in 266 says, 
One with an uncontrolled mind cannot have spiritual intelligence. One devoid of spiritual intelligence never meditates on ultimate truth. And for one who never meditates on ultimate truth, there is no peace. Uh, And one who is destitute of peace, there is no happiness. That's again from the Bhagavad Gita. So what it's basically saying is that uh, by meditating on ultimate truth, we find peace. And when we find peace, that is our ultimate happiness. So we find in the Western culture that we are looking for peace, looking for peace in the external world, in money, in houses, in children, in uh, a Porsche, in those things of life that prove to us that we're worthy somehow, that, that when we're successful in the, in the world through materialistic uh, methods, we can, we can finally say that I'm worthy, I made it, I'm somebody. Um, and those measurements of worthiness turn out to be false because why? They don't give us peace. That's how we know that they're not really, uh, that's a false measurement because it doesn't give us peace. The Dhammapada, which is one of the Buddhist texts, sacred texts, says, there's no fire like lust and no crime like hatred. There's no ill like the aggregates of existence and no bliss higher than the peace. Okay? And he's talking about the peace of nirvana there. So uh, uh, that's verse 202 in the Dhammapada, if you want to go look it up. Um, what, What that's basically saying is that we have all these other emotions going on inside of us, like lust and hatred, and the aggregates of existence means all the things that we're attached to in life, all the things that we want to hold on to and say, this is mine, this is me, this defines me, this, uh, this helps me understand myself as a me. Um, those attachments are not going to get us to peace, is what this is saying. But it says there's no bliss higher than peace. So peace is the same as joy. And uh, I also found a lot of verses when I was going through this. I didn't collect them all, but I I did find a lot of these verses that equate peace with love, that use love and peace interchangeably. And there's a place in the Bible that uses love and truth uh, interchangeably. In 1 Corinthians 13, um, it also uses the word for truth and love interchangeably there. So uh, it's interesting that love and peace and truth can be uh, synonymous in this way of looking at it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, I want to tell you uh, another one. Um, this is from the Hebrew, he- Hebrew Sutras. Once that divine love is obtained, one looks only to that. One speaks only of that. And one contemplates only that. It is easily recognized. Love requires no proof outside of itself. It is its own proof. It appears in the form of inward peace and supreme happiness. One who has attained it has no anxiety about worldly struggle. He has completely surrendered himself, the world, and everything to the Lord. That's from two of the Bhakti Sutras. So it, uh, it's really, that's that one of those correlations with love that I told you that, I, that I'd found. It was one of the best ones that I found where, where inward peace is supreme happiness and it also is love. It, the love can define itself as peace. There's no quarreling that goes on within us, but beyond that, there's a deep peace that is beyond human understanding. And from Rumi, the Sufi poet, this universe is not outside of you. Look inside yourself. Everything that you want, you already are. So in other words, peace comes when we recognize that 
we, we don't have to long for external things to come to us. We already have it. We already are it. Um, all the things that we establish as identity just are information or metaphors for who we actually are. All those uh, uh, materialistic things that we gather to, to find ourselves okay and make ourselves feel okay, those, those things just really do tell us that who we actually are. They, they give us a metaphor for who we actually are. And if we go there, then we don't need necessarily the material things, although they, they're not bad to have, but it, it, we don't have to have them to be defined as who we are. And here's another one he says, this is also from Rumi, there is a desert I long to be walking, a wide emptiness, peace beyond any understanding of it. So that's that peace that the Christians in the Western world talk about, the peace that has passes understanding. The Sufi poet of the Islam talked about uh, this is the peace beyond any understanding of it. So he, he says when we empty ourselves out by walking across emptiness, by just being in, emptying ourselves out of all attachments, then we have that peace that is beyond any understanding of that peace. So we can't intellectualize this peace. We can't make it understood through the intellect. And that's why it's hard for me to talk about without quoting some sacred texts, because it's not something that we can just verbalize as, <clears throat> excuse me, as an intellectual concept. Uh, and that's a really important thing for us to understand. This is a deeply rooted piece that goes way down deep below, uh, below what we understand as the surface of existence. It is that we find ourselves stumbling into this room of peace when we meditate sometimes. And sometimes we can meditate and not be able to find that peace. So that, to me, that proves that it's not something that I can, uh, by my own ego or my own identity, make happen. I can't contrive it, in other words. It, it is something that is given to me, as Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Um, it is something that is given to us by the divine when we make access to the divine, when we come into the presence of the divine. Uh, when we are present with the now, as Eckhart Tolle says, when we are in in really present with who we are, with as as divine beings that we are, so this is a really important concept. This thing about peace, and it and it is very informative of of um, where we are in terms of our connection to the divine. It's very informative of where we are in terms of our connection to the presence with this world which is also part of being present with the divine. Um, it's very informative about um, the kingdom of heaven within us. It's very informative about the nature of love, the nature of compassion, the nature of passion. Um, it, it, it even can inform us about anger. And we can talk about some of these things as we go today. Um, but peace is the deal. Peace is the big it. It's the big it. And so uh, when we're talking today about this piece, I want you to think about it as the most important aspect of any spiritual endeavor, that piece. All right, so we're going to take a break, and we'll come back in just a few minutes to talk more about peace, and we're going to hear uh, some about the Super Soul Sunday coming up this next Sunday as well. So stay tuned for more right after the break. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome to Portal to Ascension Radio. Your hosts, Neil and Sol Gore, will take you on a journey to expand your consciousness. You will learn about hidden ancient wisdom, advanced technology, cosmic consciousness, our true world history, the ascension of Earth, and so much more deeply esoteric and revolutionary information. It is time to explore the nature of reality. Listen every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Says, Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about peace. But before we talk any more about that, I want to tell you about this upcoming Super Soul Sunday, uh, this May 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific Time on OWN, Oprah Winfrey Network. I am a Super Soul Sunday lover. I watch it every Sunday uh, and uh, really enjoy it. it. It really does lift up my spirit, and I encourage you to do the same. So Oprah Winfrey speaks to this Sunday with Dr. B.J. Miller hospice and palliative care specialist who shares his revelations about a subject that's often taboo in our culture, the experience of death. On an all-new episode of Super Soul Sunday, again this Sunday, May 7th, 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific. While a sophomore in college, Dr. Miller suffered a devastating electrical shock throughout his body. He lost half of his arm and both of his legs below the knee. He shares with Oprah how this earth-shattering experience left him with an extraordinary sense of what it means to confront death and what really matters when we die. As former executive director of the Zen Hospice Project in San Francisco, Dr. Miller helped his patients face their own deaths spiritually, empathetically, and on their own terms. Listen to a clip from that interview with Oprah. Have you been with people who, in their final moments, are living that space of regret? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
It's got to be the saddest thing. It is sad, but you know it's also important. What do they regret? Because you know there's this phrase that nobody's going to regret not spending more time in the yeah. office. Nobody's going to regret, you know. It's true. What your spreadsheet look like? It's kind of true. What do, they, what do they regret? So I love these vicarious deathbed moments that yes. I get to have. Yes. And there, there, there's some real truth to that. Like why didn't I? Why did I spend so much time with this job I hated? Why did I spend so much time married to that person I didn't really respect, or what? You know, whatever. And there's some real truth to that and it all invariably has to do with time and how you spend how you value your time but you know what's also kind of true here is when you watch the power of just accompanying someone and bearing witness some of that regret just gets to go away because regret too is also unavoidable I wouldn't make all the exact same decisions now that I've made in my past right. the salve is being seen the salve is being felt and heard and witnessed that helps the regret fade so nicely. So yeah, I've seen those vicarious, those deathbed regrets, but I've also also watched them just fall by the wayside pretty sweetly. Beautiful. So I'm looking forward to this show next Sunday uh, about uh, the what happens when people die and what it means to confront death and what really matters when we die. And I hope you'll be there with me. May 7th, 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN. All right, so we've been talking today about peace and what, what is peace, what it means to have peace, and what we've described thus far by using some of the sacred texts from the Hindu, the uh, Buddhist, uh, and, the, uh, and the Christian religion, Sufi and the Christian religions, is that peace is something that is beyond understanding. This kind of peace we're talking about is not just lack of worry. It is a, a, a peace that passes understandings as the Christians describe it and as the Sufi uh, poet uh, Rumi described it. It is a deep peace that comes over us when we are in truth and when we are in love. And by that I don't mean in love like infatuation. I mean when we are in the spirit of love. So uh, what that essentially means is that there is a place we can go to within ourselves where we tell ourselves the truth. So in the Bhagavad Gita, I said a little while ago that the uh, a person who's devoid of spiritual intelligence never meditates on ultimate truth. Well, this thing about truth is really a big deal when it comes to peace. Not, the thing about goodness and evil, not so much. We don't, we don't see much in these texts about if you're good, you'll have peace, or if you're bad, you won't. We don't see that. We see truth, love, and peace all turned, uh, made synonymous. So... Um, Truth is a real important, uh, as we talked about, the paradigm of, of true-false is very different than the paradigm of good-evil. And so what we want to look at is truth. What is ultimate truth? Well, I can't define that for you. And that's, you know, if I could, I'd spend the next 40 minutes of this show really telling you what for about ultimate truth. <laughs> but you don't won't believe me. You won't believe me because you haven't experienced yourself, it, it, it yourself. So uh, ultimate truth is something only you can, you can only experience within yourself. And that's why the Bhagavad Gita says that one devoid of spiritual intelligence never meditates on ultimate truth. For one who never meditates on ultimate truth, there is no peace. So all, what he's saying there is that our, our spiritual intelligence... Um, goes after truth. It wants truth. It wants to, to know the ultimacy of truth. It wants to know the ultimacy of spirituality. It wants to know what's really true and false in the world. So there's some people who would say there is no spiritual, uh, spiritual um, 
entity. There is no God. There is no Satan. There is no God. I agree there is no Satan, but some people would say also that there is no God. And um, and, uh, so those people, we think, well, they can't have a spiritual experience. And yet I've known many people who were absolute atheists and uh, would not tolerate the idea of religion in any form. Uh, as as being placed on them, not that they wouldn't tolerate anybody else having it, but they didn't want anybody else putting it on them, and um, and yet they had deeply spiritual experiences. So uh, spiritual experiences don't happen in a vacuum, and they don't happen to only one certain population of the world. They don't just happen to Christians. They don't just happen to Muslims or Buddhists or Hindus or you know Catholics or any of that they happen to anyone who is willing to sit with ultimate truth and and listen to it and let it speak to them. Um, And that is why meditation is so important because it opens us up to the possibility that we can experience our peace, which gets us to our truth. What I have experienced personally is that when I have meditated, I have come away from meditation with a kind of download of truth. Um, that things that I thought I believed, I no longer believe, simply because I've sat in the room with truth. That's the way I want to think about it, is I sat in the room with the presence of the divine, and therefore therefore I was in the room with truth and love. And it changed me. It transformed my thinking. So my, my belief system changed as a result of those encounters with the presence of the divine. And, uh, and I've spoken with a lot of other people who've had that same experience, And so that's why I say this is not something, I cannot give you spiritual intelligence, nor can I tell you ultimate truth. It is something you have to experience for yourself. And that's why I think Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Because what he's saying is when you encounter the spirit of the divine, it is is a gift. The peace is a gift that is given to you. And the peace contains within it ultimate truth and absolute love. And, and it is in, in being in that peace that we come away um, in a new body and a new mind. There's a passage in, in the Christian text that uh, in Romans, I believe it's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that says something about surrendering your mind to be transformed by the Spirit. And I think that's what it's talking about. It's like you, you sit in the presence of the divine, you empty your mind out of your all your own agendas, and you just sit there, and what happens is a download of a lot of truth and a lot of peace. Um, and uh, there's been times in my own experience, and there's been many of you out there who've had similar experiences, where I felt such deep peace that it was I was almost paralyzed by it. I almost didn't want to move my body, but I, you know it would have taken some real effort to move my body because I, wa- I wasn't trapped by any means and or suffocated by any means, but I was. I was uh, in a state where it, it felt like movement was completely unnecessary. Um, and and uh, that kind of peace was a gift. It was not something I earned. It was not something I contrived. It was not something I could think up. As a matter of fact, for several times after I meditated after that, um, I couldn't get to that same place. And that was evidence to me that that was a gift, and it came with a package of downloaded information. And uh, so that that kind of thing says, this is truth, this is ultimate truth, and in the Bhagavad Gita, it encourages that uh, meditating on ultimate truth in order to 
have peace, which they say is the ultimate happiness. So we, you know, there's a lot of striving in this world. There's a lot of crime in this world. There's a lot of hate in this world. There's a lot of pain and suffering in this world. And, you know, we look at that and many people in the Western world say, well, there can't be a God because if there's a God, we wouldn't have all this suffering. You know, God would come down here and put a stop to that because how could a merciful God stand there in his rarefied heaven and watch all of us suffer down here and not care about it? But when you think about um, the meditation being something we do when we go within, when you think about the kingdom of heaven being within us, which Jesus told us it was in Luke 17, 21, um, when we think about um, that those truths that, that we can go within to find our peace, then there's some kind of choice that we're making um, based on our cultural experience, based on our family dynamics, based on how we identify that, that, that says don't go, don't, don't be somebody who's devoid of spiritual intelligence, be somebody who doesn't really go there, just don't go there. And unfortunately, as I said last week, a lot of what we're hearing from what is espoused as um, uh, Christian religion today, um, which I don't think is a real Christian religion, I think the real Christian religion goes much deeper than this, but I think there's a lot of people out there teaching a form of Christianity, which is, I think, a mistaken form of Christianity that, that teaches us not to go within because the devil might be there. We don't want to go within. You want to listen to your leadership. And that, that to me, is a false prophet, one who's, a, who's somebody who's a wolf in sheep's clothing. So we talked about that last week, and you can go back and listen to that show if you'd like. Uh, but it, it, what we're talking about here is going within is extremely important to our ability to have this peace. So how does one go within? Well, that's the big $65,000 question, isn't it? We, we, you know, I hear so many people say, I can't do that. I can't meditate. I can't make my mind stop. Well, you don't have to make your mind stop. You have to just be present with what is. And what is, is your mind racing. What is, is the thoughts that come up in your mind. What is, is, is the worries that come up in your mind. What is, 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 um, you know, the, the tension you feel in your back when you're seated in that position or lying in that position. Um, what is, is what's going on in the room around you. What is, is the sounds outside the room. The, the, what is, is what is. And that's where you being present with that means I'm really here. I'm really hearing it. I'm really sensing it. I'm really feeling it. I'm really being w- beside it. I'm not judging it. I'm not trying to get it to stop. I'm not trying to make it go away. I'm not trying to do anything except be present with it. And just by being present with it, it begins to let go. It begins to not be as important. It begins to take on a different kind of energy. And that process is the process of going within so that we're just sitting there inside of ourselves, being the observer of what is. And as we observe, we're sometimes given the gift of that download, of that great peace. Now, I can tell you for sure that I don't find that deep, deep, deep peace that you know almost paralyzes me every time I meditate. I can go to peace, um, and, but I don't always experience peace. And but when I do, when I have, when I'm able to really allow myself to let go enough to have that peace, what happens is that 
uh, I am downloaded with some information. I'm less anxious um, on, on those days. I'm less, uh, I'm less worried. I'm more inclined toward joy. I can look around and feel myself one with nature and one with other people. I can see and feel my own intuition better. I can see and feel my own discernment better. I'm more present with my life, with my body, with myself than on the days that I that I don't, you know, uh, e- either I don't meditate, which is very rare for me not to meditate, but um, but or or I don't, I'm not able to let go enough to get to that peace. But I also trust the process. I also trust that if I'm not able to let go today, then perhaps I will be tomorrow. But in this process, I'm getting somewhere. I'm I'm a lot, I'm trying to be present with my own. Say I've got some anxiety, which happens to me fairly frequently. I say I've got some anxiety, and I'm I'm stewing in that anxiety, and my brain has joined the anxiety. Well, all I have to do is step away from the joining process, and I step into, okay, I'm going to watch this anxiety, and maybe I won't be able to fully get to peace in this day's meditation. But I am going to just be in that process of watching the anxiety as it goes and it goes for either two, two or three. Sometimes it's two or three days before I can get to a place of peace. And, I, and I'm able to just kind of go, okay, there's an answer to this question. I'm not anxious because I'm bad. I'm not anxious because I'm weak. I'm not anxious because I'm, I haven't let go enough or I haven't detached enough. And that's a bad thing. And that's We make that into the good-bad paradigm again. I'm anxious because I'm processing something and that anxiety is trying to talk to me and I need to hear what it has to say. And in listening and being present with it, I eventually I get to an answer and then I'm able to get to peace again. So it isn't that we're always going to have peace, but it is that we are looking toward peace as a kind of guide, as a kind of way of saying, okay, this, uh, when I get to peace, I will have found truth. When I get to peace, I will have found some truth. And that, that piece is very, very interesting and very important because it is also, when, we, when I get to peace, I will have found love. And so the peaceful answer to my dilemmas is a form of self-love and love for others. The peaceful answer is one that loves me and loves others. The peaceful answer is not one that sacrifices me so others can be happy, nor is it sacri- others sacrificing so that I can be happy. The peaceful answer is that that loves self and loves others. So uh, a lot of times when we're in the good bad paradigm, paradigm, we think, well, I'll just do the good thing, the thing I think to be the right thing, and I'll sacrifice myself and, because uh, it's the thing I should do, and it's the, it's the right thing to do, and, and therefore I'll sacrifice myself. And then the next day we find ourselves in a bunch of resentment, and we wonder how we got there, and now we're not at peace again. And so that didn't lead to truth, did it? didn't lead to peace, therefore we know it didn't lead to truth. It didn't lead to truth, therefore we know it didn't lead to love. And that is how peace can be such a great guide for us. So uh, when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful, he wasn't saying, don't ever be afraid, don't ever be troubled. He was saying, don't stay in that. Don't, don't be present with that only. Be present with what your peace. Because he has already, he, he gave us that peace because the kingdom of heaven is within us. If you want to look at it from just a Christian perspective, the kingdom of heaven is within us. Therefore, we have that peace all the time. And we, ha- we have to turn and look within to find it. And we'll talk about that looking uh, in just a few minutes more. Uh, because that's a very important aspect of finding our peace. 
So we're going to take another break now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes to tell, have our final comments about peace. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What's your purpose on the planet? Are you ready to make jumps to pursue your passions? We often make excuses, but it commonly leads back to fear. Sharing our stories provides an opportunity to learn lessons and leverage pearls of wisdom that we gain on life's journey. We'll help you push through the fears that hold you back from empowering you to experience pure love and live your life's purpose. Tune in to the Beth Bell Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Empowerment Channel. It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life. Start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply. Coincidentally, that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host Dr. Faith Brown. She'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life. Laughing Loudly, Loving Deeply with Dr. Faith can be heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back with our final segment talking today about peace. And what we've said thus far is that uh, peace is equated with and synonymous with truth and love. And um, getting in touch with peace allows us to find truth and to find love. And without, uh, when one leads to the other. So when we're in love, we find peace. When we're in truth, we find peace. When we're in peace, we find truth. When we're in peace, we find love. Um, those things are true for all of us, not just a certain segment of the population known as Christianity or as Buddhism or as Hinduism or as Sufism or as uh, Muslim or anything else. What, what is known is that anyone can have this peace. Uh, and as we said in the last segment, when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be, nor let it be fearful, he didn't mean don't ever be afraid or don't ever be troubled. Um, because he said, in this world, you'll have trouble. Uh, but um, 
he also said that he had overcome the world. And so what, what that promise is, is that the kingdom of heaven, which he promised us in the Christian Western mindset, is within us. From a Buddhist perspective, the Buddha mind is always within us. Um, from the Hindu perspective, divine self is always within us. So it's the same idea from different perspectives and different religions, but the idea is that it's always there. We just forget about it, and we walk away from it as if it's not there. And so we can walk back toward it and find it again. Um, But when we go back toward it, we need to understand that it's a gift that comes to us. It's not something we can contrive. And it is by contriving that we lose it. We try to, you know, I've definitely had this experience, and some of you may have had it as well, that you you find yourself in a meditative state, you find yourself uh, developing some sense of peace, and then you try to grab hold of it and make it stay, and it poof, disappears, just like water through your hands. Um, and you can't make it stay that way. You can't contrive this peace. It's a gift that comes from the divine. It's not something that we can push against. And that's why one of my favorite uh, passages from the uh, Tanakh of the Jewish Bible and, and the Old Testament of the Christian Bible is... Uh, Cease striving and know that I am God. I believe that statement means if we, once we stop trying so hard, we find that we are God. Uh, we know that I am God. Uh, and that that understanding is, is prevalent throughout all the root language of the Christian Bible and as and in the texts of the sacred texts of the other world religions as well, um, when we look at the root language. So uh, it's really important for us to understand that, uh, like we've said, peace is a pathway to itself. We, it guides us toward, uh, toward more peace. Um, and it is uh, a way of, of um, living that de- can define how we relate to other people. Um, so if I come at a relationship with other people uh, from a sense of truth and love and peace, then when I'm negotiating with others, I'm not insisting on my own rights or that I am right or that they are wrong. What I'm looking for is that uh, that love that is also truth, that is also peace. I'm looking for truth. I'm looking for ultimate truth. I'm not looking for who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. I can't tell you how many couples I've worked with over the years in my private practice who the biggest issue is that one or both of them are trying to prove the other one is wrong and they're right. You're wrong, I'm right, and once I can prove that I'm right, then I'll feel superior to you, and then uh, it'll be over. And what that's all about is shame. It's I've got to be right so I won't feel shame. And I can't be wrong because I don't want to feel shame. That's what that's all about, and it has nothing to do with good or bad, right or wrong. It has to do with I'm afraid of shame, and I'm afraid if you can see me, see all the way through me, if I become transparent, then you'll you'll shame me, and then you'll reject me because I'm a shameful, unworthy person. So that's how this good-evil paradigm is harmful to us because it has us measuring our worthiness by a standard that is immeasurable because who can decide what's good or what's bad because it's culturally based and family-based. It's not something that is a standard that's actually measurable. And the very fact that we are measuring ourselves is the problem. We don't need to be measuring ourselves. We need to be looking for ultimate truth. And ultimate truth, when we realize ultimate truth, what we realize is there is no need for measurement. I'm worthy because I exist, period, end of subject. And that's an extremely peaceful thought. But it goes even deeper when we can feel it, not just think it. 
And so that, that, then we know it's ultimate truth because it gives us peace. So what if peace were how we survive? Well, when, when, we, when we are looking for survival, we tend to be in fear. We tend to be in, I've got to overcome this or that or the other. I've got to have enough money. I've got to have enough time. I've got to have enough energy. I've got to have enough health. I've got to have enough power. I've got to have enough structure. I've got to have enough material goods. I've got to have these things because I, if I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm not going to be able to live. And by live, I mean maybe emotionally I die. Maybe psychologically I die. Maybe physically I die. But one way or the other, we think our survival is dependent on all these things that we're attached to. But if peace is how we survive then what we look for is ultimate truth, which is peace, which is love. And, uh, and we don't, we're, we're not stressed. We're not worrying about survival. We trust the flow of energy that is our survival. I trust that my heart will keep beating until it's done. I trust that my body will keep doing its health until it's done. I trust that, that my process is, is going to be finished and I'm going to come do what I came here to do. I'm going to be the person that I came here to be because I was born an acorn and I'm growing into an oak tree and I'm going to finish growing into an oak tree before I go. And once I'm done growing into an oak tree, then I'll go. And then I'll go into another place or another plane of existence and and then I'll come back and do something else and I'll complete that and then I'll do something else and I'll complete that and then I'll do something else and I'll complete that. Uh, that's a very peaceful thought to me. Now, whether or not you agree, that's your experience. You've got to decide whether or not you agree with that. And I hope you'll do that uh, deciding by looking inside yourself, by sitting in a, uh, and look, sitting and being present with what is enough to find ultimate truth. Because then and only then will you be able to say, I got the download. I got some information from the divine that I can trust that it resonates so true in me that, that it gives me ultimate peace. And that, that thing is how we find truth. We've been taught that we should look outside of ourselves for truth. We've been taught that other people can tell us how to find truth. We've been taught that the leadership will tell us truth. We've been taught that, you know, that, that we have to look out there. And I think that's a very interesting paradigm right now in this age where alternative facts and fake news is so, such a prevalent issue. Um, we have we're our look outside can no longer be trusted because when we look outside to our leaders to tell us the truth, we find out that they're not telling us the truth. So then we scratch our heads and go, well, what is the truth? And then we have to go inside to find it instead of going outside to find it. And so I think this is a real important time spiritually for lots of reasons, but that's definitely one of them. Um, I think one of the reasons is that we as a collective are having to take more responsibility for our government. But that's not all that's happening. I think there's much more that's happening on the spiritual plane than just that. This is a big deal. And I think it's a very fascinating time to be a part of uh, so that we can all begin to see a deeper level of, of our own truth and our own peace. Uh, but when, we, when we're trying to survive based on the external world, based on what we can collect from the external world, based on uh, some idea about success, we're, what we're doing is proving our worth are trying to prove our worth, even though we don't have to do that, and we're we're not living in that ultimate uh, that we're living in devoid of spiritual intelligence, as the Bhagavad Gita would put it. We're we're not looking inside. 
where Jesus and the and the Bible tells us we find the kingdom of heaven and and Buddha says we find the Buddha nature and the Bhagavad Gita and the Hindu religion says we find the divine self. So uh, we're not looking in the right place. Um, there's an old song that talks about looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, we look for truth in all the wrong places. Look, we look for peace in all the wrong places too. Uh, we look outside of ourselves, and it's right here inside of us. We already are everything we need, as the Rumi told us. As Rumi told us. Um, so when we form relationships, we oftentimes form relationships. Let's talk about those big relationships, the ones that are, uh, you know, the soulmate relationships. We oftentimes form those based on uh, great big old feelings about love. I've fallen in love with you. What we don't know about that falling in love is how much of that is projection and how much of that is really a real relationship we can count on being um, something that will empower us to continue our lives living in peace through our souls and the other person as well. Um, we, we, so we don't take the time to figure that out. We jump into the relationship and, and then, you know, a year, two years later, what we figure out is that, oh, well, this was not it. You know, this, I've, this relationship is full of abuse or it's full of lies or it's full of toxicity or it's dysfunctional in some other ways. And no, this is not it. Um, and it's because we based that decision on that big old feeling, that big old emotion of, of infatuation that could be that in love feeling that we can learn something from if we'll sit with it. But it not, doesn't necessarily mean it's time to commit. We think those big old feelings say, oh, this is a calling from the gods to, to marry this person or commit to them in some kind of way. And, and we don't stop and really just be present with ourselves enough to find the peace which would lead us to truth, which would lead us to love. So uh, we, we're, we're making our decisions about relationships devoid of spiritual intelligence, as the Bhagavad Gita would put it. Instead of making our decisions about uh, relationships, particularly primary relationships, from uh, from that peace, from that deep inner peace that says, "Yes, this is this is real. This is truth. This is this is the path that I want to take right now." Um, so you know, peace can be a real powerful guide. And I've also asked, "What if peace is the body?" You know, there's a lot of people out there uh, uh, practicing. Um, kinesiology where the body informs us of what it wants to eat and what it wants to do um, and um, uh, sometimes I practice that uh, and I find that it's very interesting how much the body knows about what it wants and uh, about what it needs and uh, and it when you get to that place of it informing you there's always a piece that comes with it it's a body piece that just kind of goes oh yeah that's relaxing that's uh-huh yeah that's it that's it. Yeah, do that. It's like you go to a massage and somebody hits just that right point and you go, oh, yeah, do that again. Yeah, it's that. It's that feeling that you get when you, your body just goes, oh, yeah, this is it. Your body just relaxes into that. So peace, again, is very informative. And the body can get, body, the body is a body of peace. We don't always live it that way. We, don't, we push the body too hard. We drag it around with us like it's just something we have to carry around when we really were staying in our intellect all the time. We, uh, we uh, don't push it enough. We don't exercise enough. There's all kinds of things we do to the body that aren't good for the body. But the body by itself, just by itself, is peace. 
it, we have to learn to listen to that peace. And when we do, the body begins to conform to its truth. The body begins to lose weight, begins to um, get stronger, it begins to heal, it begins to do what it's there in it to do. So it's already there. The peace is already there. We just have to be with it. We have to spend time in presence with the peace. So when I ask the question, what if the peace is the big it? Well, it is the big it. And it's so much more true than the good evil paradigm. The good evil paradigm only leads us to conundrums about um, self-sacrifice and, and uh, you know, proving our worthiness to other people or to ourselves. And there is no need for that. Peace proves that to us. Our peace, when we find it, proves to us that we don't have to prove ourselves worthy. We don't have to show somebody else that we got, we got our act together. We don't have to prove to somebody that we're going to be successful. We don't have to do all those things. We can just sit in peace and enjoy our peace, and it will carry us to the next phase of our lives. And that's the beauty of peace. So peace really is the big it. It really is the big it, and I would encourage all of us to find to find ways to take time every day to sit with yourself enough to begin to experience that deep, wonderful peace that passes understanding. Okay, well, that's our show for today. We're going to be back next week uh, with more, and remember, this: uh, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.